The darkness in death is apparent, but from the darkness beauty may grow. A tiny rodent lay lifeless, as cold and as still as stone. The earth below may claim her as she gets blanketed in silent snow. Or one with creative flair may find her, and the beauty in death will flow. This tiny rodent converting into something of magnificent art. She is being transformed and adorned as a memorial of all that has passed. The creator will weave her magic, delicately stitching with respect. And when this process is accrete and complete, the rodent is beautifully set, treasured by others in death. Her skull is as precious as diamonds. The rodent's time will be sublime, as there is beauty in the macabre. Hello witches and beautiful souls. You are listening to the Bell Witch Podcast with Swales, the friendly green witch. Helping you to get witching in the 21st century. This is episode 24. And yes, I've come back and feeling nice and relaxed and refreshed. And a tad stressed because I didn't get everything done before I left to gallivant at the seaside for a week. It felt like longer, may I add. With my two little witchlings, we went to Butlins for three nights, came home. And then the next day went to Robin Hood's Bay for three nights. So it was just one holiday, boom. Next holiday, boom. <laughs> yes, that was probably a questionable parenting move there, Swales. I think you took a bit much on there, but hey, you're still alive. But uh, I have come back just so inspired and full of ideas for future episodes. Mostly to do with the sea. I really missed the sea last year in 2023. I just didn't get to see the sea at all, which for me is really, really rare and quite shocking. But this holiday enabled me to reconnect with the sea and appreciate its beauty and its magic and inspire me to do a podcast on sea magic. Yes, absolutely, that's going to happen. But also, when I went to Robin Hood's Bay... It's the first time I've been and I've stayed. Before I'd been and I didn't really get it, I didn't really connect. But this time, I really connected with Robin Hood's Bay and the little streets and the tininess of it and the magic and the witchcraft and the history. I did this fantastic ghost walk, Whitby Storyteller. Her name was Rose and she was such a fantastic storyteller. And she were a local, so she had amazing insight background of history but also personal ghost stories which I thought made it one of the best ghost walks I've ever been on to be fair because the stuff she brought to it she was just so theatrical and she really loved the job and it inspired me so much so I'm definitely going to do a podcast episode on Robin Hood's Bay and the history like the coast ghosts (laughs) in Robin Hood's Bay. There's an absolutely great history on both the communities and how they mingled together. Church slash paganism community that lived there and because nobody really ever left, they all lived together side by side. It was just beautiful. Quite a few stories in there. I've done lots of my own research. So there's definitely a good couple of sea-orientated episodes to come your way, listener. Ooh, I hope you're excited for that. But yeah, overall, it was brilliant and I'm truly inspired And at the time, two holidays, one after the other, was amazing. Not so much when I got home on Saturday, I went to bed and I slept for about 14 hours. I must have been quite burnt out. (laughs) I'm back now and I am ready to podcast. So here we go. So this episode is quite a dark one, but not dark like negative dark. Dark as in... Talking about death and darkness, what comes, what grows from darkness, beauty in the macabre, as my poem suggested. But yeah, it does get a little bit gross at times because we speak about how to do taxidermy and how to clean up bones in your garden and stuff like that. So yeah, it is not one to listen to while you're eating your dinner or eating a snack or anything. You've been warned, okay? (laughs) A really inspiring guest interview with a lovely creative witch called Seela in the Netherlands. 
And I think I found her on Instagram. You know, these little giveaways that Instagrammers do, if you tag somebody and put it in your story, then you might win whatever they're offering. And I did this for the shop and then realised, oh, actually, I missed the deadline by like two days. (laughs) Oh, well. The shop was so beautiful, so I connected with her. And then I think she had a little nosy at my account and saw it was a podcast and listened to a couple of episodes. And then we ended up getting in conversation. She was saying how much she loved it and that I was like, well, you should totally come on and talk to me about your shop. And she was just like, oh my God, yes! <laughs> so the rest is history, yeah. It just naturally happened. It was a really lovely, a lovely find. I was meant to be a bit late with the, the old uh, sharing to win stuff just to get an amazing guest on this podcast. So I hope you enjoy. I recorded so long ago, it seems, in that weird no man's land when it's neither Christmas or New Year, I think, and everything's just a bit topsy-turvy, so it was quite a while back. So it was fun to watch back the um, recorded video of us talking, and it was nice to see how Sila loosened up as we were just chatting, and also, to my amusement, how I was showing her my skull, and they were like, look at my skull, this little, ra- this little, I think it was a rabbit skull, and she was impressed with my skull, <laughs> and then I proceeded to do a kind of like a little puppet show with it, walking it across the video screen in the most professional witch way you can imagine, <laughs> I'm such a knob. <laughs> So that was quite fun. It's a shame you can't see it on audio. But this segues in nicely to my Patreon. I am going to put the video with permissions on the Patreon. And you can see me then asking about with this little skull. It's quite funny. Patreon, I've still got that. I've had another new member. Big thank you to Claire for joining. Thank you so much for supporting me on this little podcasting adventure that I'm going through right now. It's quite a fair few things added to it now. I've got some journal stuff. I plan to add some magic, some sigil stuff, poems and stuff are up there, as well as unedited videos, previews, ad-free episodes, and eventually I'm going to do subscriber-only podcasts, but that is quite hard to pin down at the moment just because life is chaos, but it will happen. I promise it will happen. All right, next on the agenda, podcast pals. I'm going to have to work on that. (laughs) So for this podcast pals, it ties in quite nice with the theme of the episode. It's my mates over in Ireland, Neil and Megan of the Mortal Musings podcast. Now, it took me a while to get into this one just because when I first found them, I wasn't really looking for true crime stuff, but the more I listened to it, the more I loved it, and I just loved their little banter, and he, you know, Neil is, well, it helps that he's a Yorkshireman, (laughs) and then because Megan's Irish, it's quite funny, you know, like, the shit we say, the shit we do, and how stereotypical it is, and they're just a right laugh, and I think they've got loads of respect for the subject, and the topics, and I think Megan does loads and loads of research, you learn quite a lot of cool stuff, but it's also really funny because he's just like, what? And that helps the listener because he says a lot of stuff that the listener's probably thinking and that just helps. But you know me, right? It always boils down to the podcaster's passion for their chosen topic and also their ultimate authenticity. And there's loads of that on this one. I really like them. They're fantastic podcasters to listen and share and leave some stars if you could and hopefully one day I will collab on a scary topic together in the distant future it would be grand yes it would and I'm just going to play their trailer that they have sent me like a proper posh podcaster does on the mortal musings podcast we like to take the cases seriously but not ourselves. Each week on the Mortal Musings podcast, your hosts, Neil and Megan, get into either a true crime case or a truly macabre story, followed by a strange and interesting tale of oddity. Join us as we venture into the dark and disturbing world of the Mortal Musings. New episodes every Wednesday, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, did that work? It did, didn't it? Hey, 
Not just a pretty face. Well, you can't see my face because it's audio only, but here we go. I shall stop messing about now and play the interview. Enjoy, witches! I have another guest. It's been a bit guest heavy this month. They've been like buses. You've all just <laughs> come at once. I realise, just know your name of your shop, which is pretty unusual. Yes. Like it is, it is the pretty unusual shop. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. My name is Sila. I am from the Netherlands. I make frames and glass domes and jewelry under the name Pretty Unusual. I am a mom of a one and a half year old little baby. Not nah. so much little baby anymore. <laughs> the girl quick. Yes. <laughs> I think I discovered you looking for witchy shops on Instagram. I think you played it down a bit. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is stunning. And it's all taxidermy and skulls and animals and butterflies. And it is absolutely stunning. Thank you. <laughs> are you a witch? You are a witch, aren't you? I, I feel like I'm a witch. Yes. Yes. So I think I am a witch. That means you're a witch. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you incorporate magic while you're making all your amazing, beautiful items? In a way, I do, but it's not the main ingredients. I make my products with intention. If I have an idea or uh, something I want to make, I think about what I want it to represent for myself, if I want to make something for me, um, I think about what I want to feel like when I wear something, for example. But if I make stuff for uh, for the shop, for markets or to sell, I would never make something when I'm not feeling right. When I have the feeling of not being myself completely, or being angry or sad or whatever, I will not make anything. Because I feel like if I'm angry or if I have a kind of negative emotion, it slides into the product. And I feel if it's somewhere, if it's, it's to sell, I don't want negative energy on somebody else's house or, or jewelry. I just want to make them feel pretty and beautiful and uh, so that's the intention I want when I make something, that it's an actual jewel for yourself, for your body, or for your home. That's kind of the witchcraft I use, a little bit of glamour magic for uh, jewelry. I think if you make something with the intention of, or with the uh, feeling of, what you want it to represent. So if I make these earrings, for example, I feel like I'm on top of the world. And they might be a little excessive, <laughs> but not for, and not for everybody. But I think if you wear them, you feel like a kind of like a witchy queen. And that's what I want. Oh, I like that. Yeah, me too. Glamour <laughs> magic. And what? What would you? What's glamour magic? I, th I feel like I kind of know. Glamour magic is for me. It is. I think it's different for everybody, but for oh, okay. me, it's like when I get dressed in the morning, I choose the the clothes that I feel fit for the day, and I put the intention in the clothes. When I brush my hair or parts of my hair, <laughs> I brush intention into my hair, or when I put makeup on. I I feel uh, more of a, in, instead of just putting it on, I feel like, how how do I want to feel when putting makeup on, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's more like um, a little bit of, a, yeah, like a little bit of being a princess in your daily life and, come, yeah, make it with magic. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's been intentional, isn't it, everything you do? Yeah. You're being mindful and you're being intentional. Yes. And it's quite hard to remember, especially when you've got little ones and you're trying to look after the house, look after the kids, do your own job, make your own money. And Yeah. I must admit, I'm not very good at remembering to, to do this, get ready and 
set the good intentions? I think it's if you do it in the little things like stirring your tea or brushing your hair. I mean, you have to do it every day anyway. Why not put a little magic in it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's how it begins for a lot of witches. Yeah. Just stirring the tea and adding a bit of sigils or yeah. magic in there. Hello lovely listeners, I just wanted to uh, stop the podcast for a moment and tell you about this wonderful new online community I've discovered just recently. Pagans of the North online magazine is a network for pagans, witches, heathens and others on similar paths in and around the north of England. Providing a free online magazine, a blog, a directory and other resources on the website as well as online courses. Offering free advertising for businesses and sellers. Highlighting the north of England but read by people nationally and internationally. It's a great place to find magic in different businesses or connect with like-minded souls. Speaking about being a pagan and a witch in the 21st century as well as all the centuries ago. Every issue is unique and absolutely beautiful. You can subscribe at pagansofthenorth.co.uk for early access to the magazine, news and events coming up, as well as other little sneak peeks and Easter eggs. This is a free magazine, so it's entirely run by volunteers who would love to connect with you. Got a business you want to advertise? Then give us an email. You can email us at pagansofthenorth at gmail.com and we're always looking for people to write stuff in from poetry to a subject you're passionate about to a blog post and all kinds of magical subjects. Come aboard, join our little community, make friends and unearth some more magic in your beautiful pagan life. I've got so many questions like... How did you get into this? How do you see an animal, a dead animal, and go like, this could be art? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I've always been very interested in nature. Ever since I was really little, my dad used to take me to the forest and we used to collect stones and rocks and bones and little pieces of nature that we would find. And I had these, I don't know if it's the same in English, but I had these uh, letter letter boxes, these wooden boxes with the small boxes inside of them. And I had many. And one was for stones and one was for uh, fossils and one was for shells. And so I was always collecting and making stuff with the things that we used to find. I've always been a macabre kind of kid. My mom really raised me as a lover of the Adams family and Buffy the Vampire <laughs> Slayer and that kind of pop culture, which was a really big influence. And uh, yeah, I just always loved stuff that was out of the ordinary. And at one point, I was collecting things when I was a little bit older, just kind of grown up, I decided I needed a big collection of weird stuff. So I, f I found stuff in the woods or uh, uh, thrift shops. Yeah, and then I had all these skulls and feathers and I don't know, I, I just had to do something with it instead of just putting it somewhere where it will get dusty and not really loved. So I decided to make stuff pretty stuff pretty unusual stuff did you just find skulls around the forest and then you'd clean them up and then no not really it's uh <laughs> <laughs> i wish <laughs> but no we have a very strict uh maintenance of of the forests here so you're officially not even allowed to take a blackberry oh wow yeah but they will not fine you because if you take one blackberry, then it's okay. Um, but if you take baskets full of blackberries, they, yeah, it's not for your own consumption and they will fine you if you are caught. So I take roadkill mostly, put it in my car, and then I store it in the freezer for however long it takes for me to get inspired <laughs> and uh yeah i have i have several ways of getting skulls so we have 
shops, of course, in the Netherlands where you can just buy them. You can buy them from Etsy or internet or wherever. But I don't really like that so much because I don't really know where it's from exactly. So now I have a neighbor who is a hunter and he hunts for population control around the area. Um, so I asked him if he has leftovers. <laughs> I get the deer skulls from him and hair skulls or heads. How good is that? You know, like the universe goes, oh, there's this dude here you live next to. He yeah. Your skull. Meant to be. <laughs> it's actually a really great story because I asked him and uh, I didn't tell my partner at the time that I asked him the question to give me the chopped off heads. <laughs> actually, the next day, my partner w walked into the backyard and he saw this paper bag, big white paper bag in the back of the yard. And he was like, that's weird. I'm just going to have a look <laughs> in there. And uh, yeah, it was a chopped off deer skull or a head <laughs> that was oh looking right at him. It's like a classic <laughs> horror film scene. <laughs> yeah. And then he realized, oh yeah, it's for Sila. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's okay. But he was That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> And now when we find uh, paper bags in the in the backyard, we know what's up. <laughs> what's in there. So you don't touch it, you don't go near it. <laughs> no, I just pick it up and um, put it in the freezer or I skin it immediately. Because if I put it in the freezer, uh, I have to know when I have the time to defreeze or unfreeze it. Uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, Defrost. Defrost, yeah. <laughs> because it takes a little time to defrost and then uh, to skin it to the bone also takes a lot of time. And I only have two to three hours a day where I can actually do this when the baby's asleep. <laughs> oh, have you got like a favorite piece to work with or like deer heads are they your favorite? Cause the deer heads are pretty beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. With the antlers and- Yeah. I like the skulls the best, but I also, I love to incorporate skulls and different elements. So I use entomology in my insects to uh, combine the skulls and um, sounds really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think my, my favorite object to work with are bones and skulls and then i use other things to make it did you use actual silver and stuff like gems no and... i wish no i have no clue how to work with silver do, do you plan on any of learning i feel like you just have a door to unlock in your mind if you learn a bit of jewelry making the problem is i have so many hobbies and so many interests mm -hmm. and so little time that for now I would love to work with with uh, silver, but I would also love to work with brass or stained glass or demorphosized wet specimens. I want to work with all of it, but I don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so inspired. Yeah. And your little one is, is so little in that age because I've got two myself and I know I'm only just starting to get free time and my youngest is five. She's just started school. So I do get it. I know what you're saying. Five. Mine is now one and a half. I just recently read, I think, 100 pages of a book for the first time ever since he that was That is born. good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, you see, and you get a little bit more each yeah. year that goes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. now really, it's just the school run that ties me down. That, you know, you've got to stop what you're doing really abruptly and go get the children from school. Yeah, but at least you have uh, eight hours in between. <laughs> I wish. No, it's more like five, really, because you've got half an hour at each end to oh. go pick them up. Yeah. God, eight hours would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get so much done. <laughs> the one you just bought recently, was it the dome with the, it's really big and it's got the butterflies in it. Which one? The... the, the most recent post, I think. Let me oh, know. yeah. Well, it's not that big, actually. It's. Oh, it, it looks like it's. This one. 
Bloody hell, it's tiny. I thought it was massive. No, it's oh. not that big. Oh, it's so yeah. gorgeous. It's a dome with butterflies in it and the butterflies... It's kind of like a scene of them flying away. Yeah. yeah, because that's what I wanted to change. Because there are many people out there who make beautiful things with butterflies and insects and, and domes and skulls and everything. But it's often very plain and not really, how do you say that, lively, <laughs> even though it's mm -hmm. dead. I wanted to change that because I think you can make a lot of movement in stillness. So instead of just preparing the butterflies like uh, what you would normally see in a museum or a, yeah, National History Museum, stuff like that, it's kind of boring. <laughs> and I don't want boring. I wanted something that is fluid. So that's why I, I taught myself how to paper the butterflies, how to tax taxidermy the butterflies. And instead of just making the regular form, I started to play around with different types of displaying. And now I'm also making butterflies that in instead of being flat, I want them to be more like they are flying, that the wings are more open upwards instead of downwards. Because that's not a normal way for a butterfly to be. They are not flat. <laughs> they are always in, um, yeah. Like a V-shape. Yeah, in a V-shape, yeah. yeah. So you taught yourself taxidermy. Well, I taught myself how to do butterflies and insects. But mm. I used to work in a shop in the Netherlands where there was a lot of, uh, well, it's, the biggest shop in, in the Netherlands around taxidermy. Um, but I was just, uh, I, I just worked at the store. Mm -hmm. um, so I taught, they taught me how to skin the animals over there. That was a very new and in, important skill for me to learn, but I could never really achieve more than just working in the store. So I decided to leave and, uh, find another job and then I taught myself how to do the rest. Taxidermy, I'm not good at at all. I did some birds. They are okay. <laughs> you can see they are birds, but they're not by any means beautiful. <laughs> oh, your own worst critic. <laughs> yes, very, very critical. I mean, you must have a really strong stomach to be chopping and doing stuff like this. I do. <laughs> Very surprised myself that I actually have the stomach. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really gross sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. I quite like the idea of normalizing death and death yeah. becoming quite beautiful and around us and stuff. So I, I like to take my children to a museum that's got loads of stuffed animals. Yeah. And have the conversation, like, you know, they'll go, oh, are they dead? And I'll be like, well, yeah. But a long time ago, I think they've got, like, a tiger and stuff. It's huge. And they're yeah. really scared of it. So I always work hard to normalise the death because there is, there is beauty in it. And it's it's one of the certain things in life, isn't it? Like taxes and death. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It reminds me of one of the first podcasts you had. Uh, that you oh, yeah. you made this joke, which was maybe not so funny for most people, but I laughed so loud. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about your mom. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And that you found the vibrators of your mother. Yeah, <laughs> I know. My mom passed away as well. And I just, I thought it was so relatable and weird and mm -hmm. in that way, normal. Because it's not the death. I think most people really are scared of death and they don't really take the time to appreciate the beauty of it. And they just don't want to talk about it. But it's really normal. I mean, it happens to everybody. And yeah, I think you can see the beauty in, in the macabre car the macabre. of it. <laughs> I know. I mean, I learned so much about my mum after she died from all the stuff I inherited that I had no idea she went into it or, you know, like she had it or 
and then what do you do with it all? Because it's just we're so inherently obsessed with stuff as like a society, as like Western society. And I had a house full of stuff that I just didn't want. <laughs> no, and you, you had to what? make choices what to do with it. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting topic, isn't it, that we avoid death. But she used to speak to me about death all the time. I mean, the latest one that you've probably just listened to. No, I haven't yet. Yeah, so my mum would always tell me what she wanted after she died. And it was actually really helpful because I had a brief, you know, to follow, like, of the music she wanted and where she wanted to go and how she wanted to be cremated and flowers she definitely wanted no matter what and you know and it and that really helps it took all the stress from me making decisions I didn't need to because she'd made them for me yeah yeah you need need to have a proper death plan yeah loved ones and the people you kind of leave behind makes so much easier for people and there's that death cleaning isn't there where you you get older and you've start doing your house out my mum and dad-in-law are kind of doing it now you know they're giving stuff away and donating to charity and going through all cupboards that they haven't looked at for years they're both sort of over 80 now and I know that's what they're doing I mean I'd never say it to them I can see they're doing it you know yeah but I think uh, that's that's also for the still living a way to comprehend what's mm -hmm. going on and Make it easier for, for people that you one day might leave behind. Yeah. So tell me about your your witch practice, how you do magic for yourself and how you incorporate it into your life. I know you're quite an outdoorsy witch, aren't you? You pick yeah. forest and stuff. Yeah, I like my other hobbies. I, I don't think I have some witchy... I'm not a pinned down witch or something. I don't, there's not one thing that I find extremely interesting. There are everything, <laughs> everything is interesting. So I think for me, the the main thing of my practice is uh, education and is learning about all different aspects. I really love astrology, but it's so big and there's so much to learn about that it's always in progress. I use a lot of kitchen witchery because I'm the cook of the house. <laughs> and uh, I always try to use the craft in, like I said before, in daily routine, daily, daily things. I kind of bless the, the meals I make or the ingredients. I would love to use only ingredients that I grow myself. I have a garden and now I actually, I'm not the best uh, gardener, <laughs> but I have my own herbs that I use. It's not necessarily very witchy. It's just more mindful because I don't go around and, and run through the woods naked, <laughs> but I am outside a lot. I have two dogs, so we walk in the forest very often, but not very witchy. Just, I think if you are, if you already have the feeling, yeah, it's just normal. <laughs> it is normal. Isn't it? Yeah. An eclectic witch. Yes, very. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of this and a bit of that. A bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think mostly my interests and uh, how I see the world and how I want to live my life, I think that's witchy or pagan or whatever you want to call it it's just me <laughs> you don't have a website did i was trying to find a website do you have one? Oh man i'm such a idiot <laughs> with technology <laughs> oh it's no it's hard it's it's always changing isn't it so <laughs> it's so hard <laughs> yeah no i don't have a website yet but i would love to have one and i decided that this year would be the year to have a website or at least uh -huh. a web shop <laughs> Yeah, manifesting yeah. it this year, manifesting it. Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I just don't know how to do it. I have no technical skills to make websites. But if people wanted to buy what you're making, how would they buy from you? Yeah, uh, through Instagram. Just mainly. message you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm based in the Netherlands, so that's a bit difficult to for international selling but last year 2023 
I started doing markets, so oh, I did cool. two. We have a, a wonderful Witch Orleans market in, uh, it's a national <laughs> park on a national park and uh, it's really beautiful and it's all witchy shops and the people who organize these markets, they have a, they have a witchy shop themselves and it's just wonderful. Everyone is just very witchy. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a monthly thing, is it? No, it was, uh, they wanted to do it twice a year. The last time it got cancelled, unfortunately. Oh, good. Yeah. But sounds amazing. I want to go. Yeah. Well, in April, we have another one, Witch Orleans. It's a nice name, isn't it? It's called the Witch Orleans Market. Yes. www.witchorleansmarket.com. So you'll, you'll be listed on there? Yeah. As, as a seller? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And this year, I want to do two markets. So I'm going to do the Witch Orleans Market. And uh, we have this gemstone fossil kind of market um, in in Drenthe, which is where most of the big boulders from before, I don't know how to say this in, in English. <laughs> Hunebede? Do you know what that is? It's what? Hunebede? No. There were the prehistoric big boulders that were found in yeah, kind of the north of Holland. Oh, okay. Um, which is a sign of of pre-historical uh, uh, civilization. Wow, like cavemen. Yes, cavemen. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they have. Uh, uh, it's in uh, province Drenthe, which is very near to where I live. Um, so they have uh, urtite marked. Yeah, it's called prehistorical markets, and it's oh, wow. mainly fossils and uh, and uh, gemstones and stuff like that. But we went last year, and they also have a lot of Viking stuff, which is so cute. I love that. So uh, I think yeah, I'm gonna sign up for there as well, and um, maybe get yourself on Etsy. Nah, I don't like it. That you want to do that? They ask so much per, uh, commission. They do, yeah. I don't know how people make money out of it. Yeah, it's going that way. I mean, I do kind of want to buy something off you, <laughs> but getting it here is just now we've left the EU, the Union. It's just so hard to send to Europe. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Like I buy and sell tarot and oracle and stuff and you've got to do loads of weird codes and just let me send some of it <laughs> yeah my niece lives in um in portsmouth in england so and she comes over mainly once a year so every time uh, i want to order something from england i ask her if she can take it with me that's kind of the way how i get stuff from and to england <laughs> yeah lovely work really really lovely work thank like, you did you ones like magic wands for work for witching i don't but i do know someone who does at the witch orleans market (laughs) witching wands is called witching wands yeah oh yes i'll have to have a look they make really nice stuff with uh wood uh, engraved and with all different kinds of beautiful gemstones inside and but i don't make wands no i wouldn't know what to use it for anyway well, in magic, it's like your direct energy. You don't have to have a wand. It just anything that makes you feel aesthetic or yeah. confident. I mean, I have a wand and I don't use it very often, but it's good for calling corners and stuff in circle. You can point. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't sparkle and crackle or anything. It's just <laughs> It's just a feeling. It is definitely just a feeling. But your finger is as good, probably even better than a wand. Yeah, yeah. I think with most of the accessories you you see on the internet that people use for their craft, I think most be- most things you can also find in the forest. They will Absolutely. work just as fine because you have found them, and you don't have to spend money on stuff. You can just put your energy into a branch, <laughs> for example. And then you've got the story you've. Because you found it, it was gifted from Earth, and then yeah. you bring it home, and all that adds to the the magic. Yeah, absolutely, I I believe that too. I made um a broom out of wood that I found around in the forest, and nice. 
got loads of brooms because that's another witch thing, you know, books and brooms and crystals. You just end up with masses of them. And, yeah. you know, this one broom is definitely like the, the king broom. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one you made yourself. Yeah. You yeah, see, that, that has so much love into it. So witchy. Yeah. <laughs> just winging it, using all kinds of glue and string and redoing it and undoing it. And yeah. And <laughs> I think but, it's Bavaria know. where it's still a uh, practice day uh, every year. They, uh, I don't know exactly if it's from there, the usage of the, of the broom, but I know that in Bavaria you have these willow branches in Germany, the south of Germany. And they uh, they have the it's always a certain type of wood that you use, and then you have the willow branches because they those are really flexible, so you can make the yeah the end the broomish broom broomy broom. broom, broom. <laughs> <laughs> you do it awesome. <laughs> uh, it's tiring sometimes thinking in different languages. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can only speak Yorkshire. I don't speak very good English, I just speak Yorkshire. I was really scared at first I couldn't, maybe couldn't understand you because, well, the accent maybe, but... Got used to it because you've been listening. I practiced, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My gob in your ear all the time, just chatting. Yeah, I got used to it, but it's really easy to understand now. I just want to show you that I've got a skull. Nice! I want to show you, so you know what it is, because I think it's a rabbit, but... I thought, oh, I laughed. Yeah, that's a rabbit. Oh, that's tea. nice. I have a lot of charity shops in my town. People give stuff and the shop sells it. I go in all the time and the guy who works there is a bit of a weirdo like, like us. When he was saying that he walks around the fields locally and just finds like bones everywhere all the time. So I was saying to him, oh, my word, you need to collect me a bag, you know, and I'll pay you and I'll donate. So now we've got this amazing setup where I donate to the shop and he gives me a bag of bones. <laughs> but he's really good at it. He just like he walks around and he finds such good stuff. Yeah, but if you know where to look, yeah. it's easy to find. It is. Right. Can you put it on your hand? Because I can't really see the size. Maybe it's in hair. No, I think it's a rabbit. I mean, how would I, because I've had it a while and I don't really know what what to do in terms of cleaning it up and stuff. Yeah, well, you have uh, different techniques. What I would do with this one, I would put it in water uh, with a tiny bit of water peroxide. Peroxide? Okay, yeah. Uh, like um, uh, eight water to water peroxide, just a little bit. And then it brightens it up a little bit. Yeah. So it gets more white. I wouldn't do too much to it anyway. It's it like, lovely. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. I've got loads of bones and stuff I need to look into making something. Yeah. The idea was to create a staff and maybe put it on top of a staff or something. I, I just want to do this like, <laughs> make it turn it into a puppet show because I'm just so professional. <laughs> Oh, but that's lovely. But you can make so much pretty stuff with that. But the thing is, though, if the teeth on the front side of the of the skull, if they are kind of loose, they might be. Wiggle enough. They're all right. Yeah, I think they're good. Ah, if it, if it ever happens to you that you uh, find some teeth falling out of your skulls, <laughs> you can just glue them in. Like super glue. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's oh, really God. easy. Yeah. <laughs> or wood glue is actually better. Wood glue, yeah. Yeah. I'll see that. Yeah. But um, I can tell you a little bit about the process of cleaning, if you like. Yeah, that'd be awesome, yeah. So, for example, you have a bird on the side of the road, and it's dead, obviously. We don't go around and kill stuff. We find dead stuff. So you take it home, and what I always do is I put it in a plastic bag and preferably two <laughs> because they smell really bad. And then I go home, um, birds, they have really small vertebrae, like neck vertebrae. So you can cut it or I also use my ax. It sounds really gruesome, but it's really easy. You just chop it off. So 
when you got the head separated from the body, you can do lots of different things to actually get to the skull. What I sometimes do is I just, I put it in the, in like a tree border next to my home where it can de decompose naturally. And then I put a, a crate on top of it with some stones. So if animals get into the remains that they don't actually take my treasure. <laughs> um, so that's a way to let nature do it. And then when you have the last, uh, when you only have the skull left, you can boil it in water and then the flesh will get, or the tissue will get soft. And you can just put some tweezers with some tweezers. You can just take it off or with, uh, with your fingernails or uh, with a knife. So that's one way. Um, you can also macerate the, it's a macerating pro process, which is actually putting it into water and then putting it outside in the sun for a couple of days, like warm water. And then it will, uh, rot away, um, which is really gross, really gross. It smells horrible. But it's really <laughs> and that way uh, you can um, take all of the tissue out very easily. So it's a fast way. Yeah, it's kind of a fast way, in, in definitely in comparison to letting nature do its job. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's way faster. I tend to use that the maceration process the most. Yeah, but it's definitely the processed. What were you saying about the bird's vertebrae? Yeah, you can. You have to chop it off, or you oh, don't okay, have to right. chop it off. You can also just put it uh, completely in the border or in the in the woods or bury it, and then you have all of the. Eventually, you have all of the bones. So also the yeah the rest of the skeleton, the skull. If you only want the skull, you have to cut it off. And if you want to use everything, you can just put it in the ground. <laughs> Do you use everything mostly? I use the skulls the most and the vertebrae, the neck vertebrae and back. Because uh, like these, these are little... Little earrings, yeah. Oh, is that the vertebrae, is it? Oh. Yeah. I just like the shape of the bones, but yeah. you can use everything. I don't really use the long, like the leg bones. I don't, I don't really know what to do with it, but I do use ribs a lot. They have these nice, these really nice forms. Curve. And the tactile art that the bones are quite smooth and nice to touch. Yeah. Always when I use the bones that I've cleaned before, the cleaning process just takes a long time, especially when you have a full animal or a complete animal that you want to skeletize, then I, I do this maceration process probably three to four times. And uh, then it's still greasy. So then you have to degrease the bones as well. And if I have done that, I put some witchy in it. <laughs> then I do some oils and maybe some moon water, for example, but to make it more me. <laughs> I love it. I love the idea of, well, not rescuing, but getting, you know, from roadkill. Yeah. And it's such, kind of like a sad end for the animal yeah. when it happens. But rather being left there, you know, like unloved to rot yeah. on the road. I just love the idea of you scooping them up and treating the bones with love and respect and like making them all beautiful and adorn, adorning. I love that. It's such a nice thing that happens after the death. Oh. I see it as uh, the as recycling, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's eco-friendly, isn't it? And it because all natural materials, and you're not buying it. It's not coming from over sea or over air or no on wheel on wheels. So there's lots and lots of pluses to it. Yeah, and um, uh, this is my hobby. Yeah, it's my hobby, but I also have a regular human job. And I'm in... <laughs> a regular human job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, by day, I'm an ecologist, so I'm a lot outside a lot, and I work uh, alongside railways often. Whereas also, I find many animals that are hit by trains. But it's also a place where other humans are not really allowed. So that's where I find 
Many, many bones. <laughs> oh my God, there's just so much that works really well for you with you. Yeah. Your hunter friend and like your job. It's just meant to be. It's absolutely yeah. meant to be. Comes together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything else you want to say or ask me or do you take commissions? Would you make something like to a brief? Yeah. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, I I got an well, it's not really an order. Woman that is organizing the Witch Orleans market. Uh-huh. She asked me to make something for her, which is not a dome and not a frame and also <laughs> very everything, but not very narrowed down. So it just gives me a lot of um that freedom. Yeah. In yeah. design. So yeah. yeah, that's a commission. That's so you do commissions, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to see what that's gonna be. When's it due to be finished? Uh February. Yeah. Oh, so soon. Yeah. Probably around the time this comes out. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I look forward to a website and a place we can uh, connect yeah. and buy. Thank you for coming on. It's been so interesting. I, I just I've always wanted to talk about taxidermy, if I'm honest. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. Good luck with your future plans in designing and making beautiful objects to adorn. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks for having me. I was really uh, honoured that you wanted to talk to me. You have been listening to the Bell Witch podcast. Witching in the 21st century. Written and produced by me, Swales, a friendly green witch. Official podcast photographer is Beverly Thornton. Music by Jeff Harvey of Pixabay, made on Wavepad Master and distributed via Zencaster. Want to come and guest on the show or got a topic you'd like me to cover? Email me at thebellwitchpodcast at yahoo.com. If you're enjoying the show, please leave me a review. Thank you for listening and stay magical, witches! <laughs> <laughs>